Hello everybody, it is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I know I missed Sunday's episode, I plan to usually do them on uh, Wednesday and Sunday, but I had to miss that, I was out on a trip with my family, but I'm back to bring you guys some great content, we got a lot to talk about today, the seeding games for the bubble are almost over, the race to the AC seed has been super interesting, I'm going to be talking about my uh, awards for this year and I'm going to be talking about my bubble awards this year so far so I'm really excited for this episode let's just get straight into it so I'm not going to be uh, necessarily going over every team but if there's stuff to talk about with each team I'll hit on it and yeah the Raptors have continued to look really good they had a pretty bad loss to the Celtics where they just uh, showed everything that uh, can go wrong with them in a playoff series where their half-court offense, which could definitely be their biggest issue going into the playoffs, was terrible. When they really just needed points, no one could, uh, just no one could supply that for them. So, even though that they did play like as bad as they possibly could have, and I definitely do not expect by any means to them to play that bad again because they're just such a good well-rounded team they have so many guys even though i am a little bit worried because pascal siakam has been struggling a lot in the bubble he already had slowed down as the season has had went on because he started off so hot so he's definitely gonna need to pick things up if they want to make a deep playoff run but I'm still pretty confident in them. They still got guys like Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. I really like Norman Powell. They just have so many different guys, and they can throw so many different options at teams that I'm still very confident in them. Uh, Nick Nurse is such a great coach, so I still believe in them, even though that loss to the Celtics was a bit worrying for them. But I never expect them to play that bad again. It just kind of showed the flaws that they do have as a team. Uh, speaking of the Celtics, I've been very impressed by how they played. They lost that first game to the Bucks, which was a tough loss as Jason Tatum played really bad that game. The whole team just didn't play very well that game. Kemba was still on a uh, very strict minutes restriction. And they lost to the Heat, also just didn't play well that game. There was no really excuse for that game. They were missing Jimmy Butler. So that was a bad loss. But other than that, they've looked really good. Jason Tatum is starting to get into a groove. He's been scoring really well. He's just looking like the Tatum we were seeing before the All-Star break where he's at like 25-point score. He's been scoring super efficiently. He's shot like 10 of 12 and scored 29 against the Grizzlies. And they played they played great against the Grizzlies. They destroyed them. Uh, Robert Williams has looked really good. He's shown some really good signs. I really like Robert Williams. So I like what I've seen from him. Jalen Brown has looked good. Kemba Walker has looked really good. And Gordon Hayward has been super impressive. So I like what I've seen from the Celtics team. I'm pretty confident in them going into playoffs. It looks like they'll be facing the Sixers most likely as they have that three seed locked up. So I like what I've seen from the Celtics. They look like they're getting some good uh, momentum as they're rolling into the playoffs. And I'm pretty confident in this team. I think uh, Raptors versus Celtics series would be incredibly interesting because they're just they're very different as teams because the Celtics are very top heavy where they have their four guys uh, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward who can all score at a very good rate. They can all give you twenty to twenty five on any given night, 
and but their bench is a big issue. They really don't have that depth, and they have a ton of shot creation, and that's something that makes me confident in them is how well they can shot create at the end of games. They can give it to so many different guys if they want to close the game. Obviously, I expect the ball to be in Jason Tatum's hand because he's our best player and our best scorer, but you can definitely give it to Gordon Hayward, who is a very smart passer. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have both shown steps as a passer. Kemba Walker is obviously great. Kemba's been great for years now. So it's a very interesting matchup because the Raptors are almost the exact opposite, where their biggest issue is you're kind of worried about what they're going to do to end the game because it's more of like a team effort. And while that works very well as it obviously has in the regular season as right now they're 51 and 19 they've been great this season but that is a worry for me so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh jason tatum and pascal siakam have been getting uh, compared all year they're very close to each other uh kyle lowry and kemba walker are very close to each other but the celtics have definitely have the more top end talent and the Raptors have more depth. They both have two of the best coaches in the league. So I'll be super interested, and I really hope that's a series. I hope no upsets happen because I think that would be a fascinating series. And whoever wins that I think could give the Bucks a very good run for their money. As I'm just really not confident in this Bucks team. I, I'm not even talking about like how they've played in the bubble because these games don't matter to them. They've Ben had the one seed locked up for a minute now, but it's just something about this Bucks team that I don't feel confident about. I just see the same exact issues that I saw last year where I just don't feel confident that they'll be able to close games with Giannis being their star and Chris Middleton being their second star, especially with the loss of Malcolm Brogdon. Them re-signing Eric Bledsoe for that extension and Letting go of Malcolm Brogdon was a huge mistake, in my opinion. I don't, well, I don't even think that's opinion. That should just be a fact. Eric Bledsoe has been a perennial playoff disappearer. And, it, uh, and it's a big issue for them. That's their, one of their biggest issues going to the playoffs, too. What Eric Bledsoe are we going to get? Because the Eric Bledsoe we've seen last the last couple of years is very bad in the playoffs. But a guy like Malcolm Brogdon is so steady and consistent. He was giving the Pacers a solid like 18 and 8 this entire year. He's a good shooter. He can do stuff off the dribble. So I think that was a huge loss for them, and that'll be a huge detriment to them as we're going into the playoffs. Uh, the, The Heat have looked pretty solid. They were playing pretty well without Jimmy Butler. I love what I've seen from Tyler Hero. I'm a really big fan of Tyler Hero, but I haven't even expected him to play this good. He's been uh, playing very well in one of the games where they were missing a lot of guys. They were missing Jimmy Butler. They were missing Goran Dragic. They were missing Kendrick Nunn as he's left the bubble for some personal reasons. Hopefully, he'll be back for them in the playoffs. But he was super good. I'm pretty sure he had uh, 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists, almost a triple-double. I saw some vision for from him that I've never really seen before. So I really like what I've te- seen from Tyler Hero in the bubble. And the he remind me a lot of the Raptors where they're just one of those teams who just has so many different guys. They have a lot of options. They can run small ball. They can go big with Myers Leonard and Bam Adebayo. They can just do so many things. They uh, Jimmy Butler has shown me a lot of very good 
just steps as a playmaker. He's been a, pl- a good playmaker for the past couple of years, but it's really stood out to me this year with him having so many shooters around him. His playmaking has been great. His three-point shooting is definitely a big worry for me as we're going into the playoffs. As he's only shooting like 24%, and he, and he doesn't even take them anymore. So that's a bit of a worry. And I don't know how much he's going to be able to get to the free throw line in the playoffs when the refs may get tighter because that's been something he's been relying on a lot this year is his ability to get to the free throw line. So that'll be interesting as we go into the playoffs. But I really like this Heat team. They're just super versatile. Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league, in my opinion. So I like this Heat team. I think they can make a lot of noise. And I think they'll be a super tough uh, second round for the Bucks. Basically, other than the first round, the Bucks are going to have a hard path to go to the finals. Because a lot of people have still just have this preconceived notion that the east is weak when that's the exact opposite while at the bottom it's definitely weaker than the uh, teams in the west at the top they got some hard hitters who can really give the bucks a challenge so many people have just said they're gonna like cakewalk through it but i just don't think that's the truth at all i think they're gonna have a ton of trouble with teams like the heat who can throw to so many different things at Giannis. they have eric spolster who's such a good coach who runs so many creative zones that can really throw off a team, especially when a team's uh, game plan is so simple like the Bucks. I think a guy like Eric Spolster would outcoach uh, Mike Budenholzer by a lot, to be totally honest, because I just think he's a much better coach. So it'll be super interesting if they uh, meet in the second round, which I do expect them to do as uh, going on to the Pacers, who the Heat will most likely be playing. The Pacers have looked very decent. Uh, TJ Warren continues to be very good, even though he struggled against the Heat. And again, this is what I'm talking about with the Heat. They can throw so many different uh, things at people where TJ Warren was getting thrown double teams at him. And it's not double teams from just average defenders. It's double teams from guys like Jay Crowder, guys like Jimmy Butler, guys like Bam Adebayo. So it really gave him a ton of problems. And they were just throwing him so many different looks, which I think was the biggest issue for teams that were facing the Pacers before. Teams like the Sixers, whose coach I don't think is good at all. I don't think Brett Brown's a good coach at all. Where they have the defensive personnel, like the Heat, but they weren't throwing different stuff at him. you got to throw someone off when they're hot like that. You can't just keep letting them do the same thing over and over again. So I'm... uh, A little bit scared for the Heat, I mean, for the Pacers in a playoff series against the Heat because TJ Warren has been stepping up for them huge. Uh, Victor Oladipo just, he's been all right, but he hasn't been anything crazy. He's probably averaging like 15 points in the bubble on like solid efficiency. So if uh, TJ Warren can't step up for them and if he's going to struggle like he did against the Heat the last time where Eric Spolstra keeps throwing these creative defenses at him specifically to make him struggle then that could be a huge issue as we go into the playoffs as they're obviously missing Demonte Sabonis who was their best player this whole year Malcolm Brogdon has been decent Victor Oladipo has been decent this team has a lot of just above average players but I don't think they have the top end talent to really do anything this year I'm interested to see what will happen next year uh, when we they have a full healthy roster so 
I do uh, like them going into next year. I like this team just in general. They're a very well-coached team. Nate McMillan is a very good coach, and he's been for a couple years now. And they just have a good, well-rounded style. They just play the game the right way. They move the ball well. They play as a team. So I like this team, even though I think they'll lose to the Heat. It definitely won't be a cakewalk. It'll be a bit of a tough outing. I expect that series to probably go six game as long as it happens because I don't see the 76ers moving up. Obviously, Ben Simmons likely out for the season, which was is just a huge detriment to them. It's a super tough loss because Ben Simmons, while the jump shooting is an issue, especially going into the playoffs, and I think their floor, at least on the offensive end, just because now they will have a true focus. That's been the issue for me for a while now with this team where they really just didn't have a focus because it's like, what do you do when Ben Simmons is trying to go to work and he's a player who only scores on the inside, but Joel Embiid is on the block trying to post up because while he kind of can shoot threes, he's an all right mid-range shooter. He is one of the best players in the league, if not the best, probably the best, uh, when we're talking about strictly just a post-up game. So it's always been an awkward fit. So I think their offensive focus will uh, allow them to be a better offensive team because they know what they're doing. Joel Embiid is the star. They should be running more pick and rolls, even though I don't know if they'll do that because they kind of have never done that, but it should be running more pick and rolls, running plenty of post-ups. Joel Embiid has looked healthy. He's looked really good in the bubble. But the big issue with losing Ben Simmons is the defense and then the open court scoring too because that's where Ben Simmons really thrives. He's... Such a phenomenal defender, especially this year. He's always been a very good defender because, I mean, it's hard not to when you're 6'10 and as athletic as he is. But he's really, like, hung his hat on that end this year. And I've just been super impressed by his defense this year. I think he's a sleeper, like, defensive player of the year candidate and definitely a first-team all-defense guy because he's been amazing on defense. So that's a big loss for them. And that's definitely worrying as we go into the playoffs. They won't have to worry about the struggles with Ben Simmons shooting. But this team still doesn't have a great shooting. And they've never had great depth. So them losing Ben Simmons, huge loss. They're going to need guys like Josh Richardson to step up. They're going to need Joel Embiid, especially in the Celtics series. They're going to need Joel Embiid to put his head down, not focus on anything else be healthy, and be dominant if they want a chance at that series. They need Joel Embiid to be at his peak. They need Joel Embiid to be a 30-10 and 10 guy. And I know that's a lot to expect, but this team is depleted now. And even though I like what I've seen from Tobias Harris, it's still Tobias Harris. He's just a solid NBA player. Like, Tobias Harris is good, but this they've just constructed this team very bad where they made a lot of mistakes. Zaire Smith, even in a game where literally basically everybody for the Sixers was sitting out, Joel Embiid was sitting out, obviously Ben Simmons was sitting out, Al Horford was sitting out, I think Josh Richardson was sitting out, uh, Tobias Harris was sitting out. We still haven't seen Zaire Smith basically at all, and they traded him for Mikhail Bridges, who's been amazing for the Suns, and it's been a big reason why they have been so good. And Zaire Smith is a guy who would have fit the 76ers perfectly. That's my biggest issue with them for the past couple of years is that they just don't get guys who fit. They let so 
go of so many guys who fit that team so perfectly. Mikhail Bridges would be the perfect 3 and D play, uh, player along Ben Simmons. Robert Covington, perfect 3 and D player along Ben Simmons. Uh, J.J. Redick, perfect three-point shooter along Ben Simmons where he can just run around and he's fine. If he doesn't touch the ball for multiple possessions, he's fine. But when he gets it, he'll shoot and he's one of the best shooters in the league, especially off those screens. And when you have guys like... Uh, Joel Embiid, it's hard to get a, around a Joel Embiid screen when he's like 7'1 and like 250 pounds. So they've made a lot of mistakes this these past few years. I think this should, even though there's the injuries, this is the last chance for Brett Brown. I just don't simply think he's a good coach. So they n- need to make a decision on that this year. I think they really need to get a guy who can be more creative because even though I don't exactly love the fit between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. It can still work. But with Brett Brown as a coach, I don't really believe in it to work. So I don't really think the 76ers are going to make much noise, especially with the Celtics playing like they have. The Celtics have been on a roll. They've won the last four games. So I think it's going to be a pretty, I wouldn't say easy, but almost a guaranteed, as long as the Celtics don't have any major injuries that the Celtics are going to get out of there kind of easily in probably like six or five. All, But it all really relies on how good Joel Embiid is going to be because he's had these issues the past couple of years where I don't know if it's a maturity thing. I don't know if it's a health thing, but he just seems to not be on the court enough. And when even when he's been on the court in the playoffs, he's just not really there he's not the Joel Embiid we know so I'm gonna need him to play very well because I think that would be a huge statement for him even if they do lose it's like they don't have Ben Simmons they don't have a top 20 player in the NBA so I'm not gonna blame them for losing but as long as I see that maturity and that leadership from Joel Embiid I think that would be a very just good thing to take away from the season. So I'm going to need that to see that from Joel Embiid. And I'm very interested to see that. Uh, the Nets have actually been surprisingly pretty good. They've been, uh, they went five and two so far. TLC has been really good. He's been kind of amazing to be totally honest. And this is just a good opportunity for a lot of guys on the Nets to either uh, boost their trade stock or prove that they should get another chance in the league. A guy like TLC, I wouldn't be surprised. He's not going to get a crazy contract next year. But if he gets a decent contract, I won't be surprised. A guy like Karis LeVert has looked very good and has shown he can really be a, a elite scorer if he's given the ball. So I'll be interested to see what they do with that. It's going to be a very interesting offseason for them as they have Joe Harris, who's a free agent. And they've been in the rumors to try and get a third star. But I don't really think that should be what they're going for. I think they should more try and get just complimentary complimentary pieces and get guys on the bench. But that's just me. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because Joe Harris has played very well. I'll be interested to see what they do with him as a free agent. Because that's very, very interesting. And then I'll be interested to see what they do with guys like... Uh, 
guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, guys like Harris Silver, even though Spencer Dinwiddie is obviously not there. He boosted his stock a ton this season. He played great this season. He had his best season yet. He really showed he can be a lead guard when uh, Kyrie Irving was injured, but he could also be an amazing backup. So it'll be an interesting offseason. Obviously, they're getting KD back. It'll be fascinating to see what we see from KD. So I'm interested to see how the Nets will move on into next season. But this season's kind of a wash. It's more, again, just an opportunity for some young guys to show some things and for some guys who are probably on their way out of the league to maybe get a second contract, get another contract, get another chance. So it's interesting. They've been playing very well, and they've just shown some heart. They have shown some pride for sure because they have a lot of guys who – have been out of the league or have been on the fringe of being out of the league. So I do like the heart I've seen from them, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to those players after the season. If people think the whole TLC thing is just a fluke or if they think he can really be a contributor on a good team. So I'm interested to see what happens. The Nets have been outperforming my expectations for sure. Uh, The Magic have just not been playing good at all. They've lost their last five in a row. They've looked terrible, like, oh my god, I expected them to easily get over the Nets, but I know they don't have Jonathan Isaac, they just haven't looked good. I don't know what it is about them. I do like what I've seen from Marco Fultz. I like Marco Fultz a lot as a player. Oh man, this Magic team just doesn't look good, and I would love to see some changes from them next season, because I'm, I am so sick of them just being so average I know it's only been two years but it just doesn't feel like they're going anywhere at all like they're just stuck in place right now so I really want to see them make some decisions at the offseason I want to see them trade a guy like Nikola Vucevic I'm super bummed out that Jonathan Isaac went down with that torn ACL because I think that could have been a real chance for them to you know, change things up and go in a different direction, go in that youth direction with him at the head of it. But obviously he's injured, torn ACL. He'll be out for a while now. I don't expect to see any of him next season, especially just for uh, precautionary reasons. So it's a tough loss for them. But I want to see guys like Mo Bamba really get a chance because he, even if he pl- when he plays, he just doesn't play that much. And I really do believe in Mo Bamba with his ability as a shooter, with his ability as a defender. But it just is weird that they picked him so high, but they're just, like, not giving him that opportunity. They're still – they kept Nikola Vucevic. They signed him to a four-year deal. And in the modern NBA, like – Players who can basically only play center as a backup don't get that many minutes because guys who can uh, be versatile and play like two through four will get plenty of minutes off the bench. Guys like Marcus Smart who can play uh, a combo guard role or can even play really small and go to like the small forward position will get plenty of minutes off the bench. But guys like Mo Bamba who is strictly a backup center don't get that many minutes because Nikola Vucevic only plays center. And Nikola Vucevic still helps you win games. Nikola Vucevic is still good, but it just doesn't seem like they're going anywhere with this current team. I would love to see them make some changes because I'm I'm beyond sick of this just average, not-going-anywhere team right now. And the Wizards have looked pretty pretty terrible, but 
I have liked what I've seen from Thomas Bryan a lot. He's been shooting a lot of threes. I love when bigs expand their range. It's something, if I was running a team, that would, I would value a ton. Uh, I watched this very interesting video by this guy named Rusty Buckets. He's an NBA YouTuber. He's pretty popular. You may know him. And he was just talking about like the evolution of the center position and it, if the center position is going to become dead. And I was very just intrigued by the video, and it brought a lot of interesting thoughts out of me where, obviously, I don't think the center position is dead. There's so many good centers, but it's more about going into the future. We're not going to see a lot of guys like P.J. Tucker. Like, P.J. Tucker being a 6'5 center is an anomaly, but we're going to see more guys like Bam Adebayo, who is super versatile and can do a bunch of different things. So as long as guys like Thomas Bryant can expand the range, guys like DeAndre Ayton have shown willingness to expand the range. I really like that because I think as we go to the future of the NBA in the next five years, the more and more we go on, the more and more just versatility, being able to shoot, pass, uh, run the floor, guard multiple positions is going to be more valued. We're going to see a lot less like Clint Capella type players where they're more just run and dunk centers where they basically just set screens, roll to the rim, uh, catch lobs, rebound. We're going to see more guys like Bam, more guys like Carl Anthony Towns, who is an amazing shooter. We're going to see more guys like uh, Nikola Jokic, who's such an amazing passer, has the ability to shoot. So that's a very interesting thing as we go into the future. And that's something if I was an NBA GM, I need my center to be able to do multiple things. I need my center to be able to shoot. I need my center to be able to pass because I think passing out of a center is super valuable. It can just add such a different dynamic to your team. So I like what I've seen from Thomas Bryan, the step he's taken, even though I don't think his threes have been hitting at a super efficient rate. I just love to see that confidence, that willingness, and his jump shot does look pretty good. He seems very just confident, willing to shoot it. I like what I've seen a ton from uh, Troy Brown Jr. I like him a lot as a point forward type player where he, isn't going to ever be great, but he can be like a 15.5 rebound, 5 assist guy, shoot on solid efficiency, be a good defender. So I like Troy Brown Jr. a lot. And other than that, though, this team really doesn't have much. I'm excited to see next year with a healthy John Wall. I'm super interested to see as he, how he comes back because he's such a, an athletic point guard, one of the fastest guys in the league, and he relied on that speed a lot because that just made him so elite. But he may lose that step that allowed him to get to the basket, allowed him to drive and kick and get so many assists after having those uh, big injuries, having the Achilles injury and having his knee injury. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. I'll be interested to see what he's done uh, just developing as a basketball player in this because he's had a ton of extra time. So maybe he'll come back with a better jump shot as that was something that was already always like, it was all right for him, but it was pretty unreliable. So I'm interested to see what the they'll do next year because I think they'll keep uh, Bradley Beal. And as long as they have a good offseason, if they keep Davis Bertans, uh, if Rui Hachimura keeps improving, I really like Rui Hachimura, one of the most underrated rookies. He's been really good the whole season. And he's such a mature game for me. Like, he just seems like he's he knows what he's doing at all times. He's never going too fast and I really like Rui Hachimura very good player 
It'll be good for them going into the next year, and he'll be really good for their future. And I expect this team to be a fringe playoff team. I I wouldn't be surprised if they make the eighth seed next year or the or the ninth seed. Even though the obviously the ninth seed right now they're so bad that it's like they're not really the ninth seed because it's a big gap between like the sixth and the ninth seed. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're like the ninth seed and they're actually contending. They're actually close to making the playoffs. So I'm interested to see what happens in the future. They got a lot of decisions to make. And I I like the Wizards going into the future, at least in the immediate future. And they definitely have assets that they can flip. They have young players that I like. So they have an interesting future. But that's the Wizards. They're not doing anything right now. But their future is bright. Uh, the Lakers have not looked very good. They could barely beat the Nuggets third stringers, basically. And even though I know, I know these are just basically games for them to warm up. I'm still a little bit worried. I'm not going to uh, go out and say that the Trailblazers are going to beat them like a lot of people are saying because I think that's overreacting a lot to just some pointless seeding games. But the biggest worry for me, which has been my biggest worry the entire year, is their shooting because when guys like Danny Green, who's the only shooter on this team, well, basically the only shooter on this team, is struggling to shoot, It is incredibly concerning. They have shot terrible from three. And even though I love what I've seen from Kyle Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma has stepped up big. He hit the game-winning shot against the Nuggets. And he's looked a lot better as he's playing more within his role. As long as Kyle Kuzma's hitting his open threes, which even though that's kind of been his job for a while now, he's always been a pretty overrated three-point shooter as he's been pretty bad, to be totally honest, for the past couple years as a three-point shooter but as long as he's hitting his open threes he'll be a good player for them and as long as he's playing solid enough defense which he has I like what I've seen from him a ton but then guys like Danny Green have been struggling a lot guys like KCP who was pretty consistent for them all year even though he was pretty bad in the first couple games of the year he was actually uh, turning it up and playing very well for them he struggled a lot I just it's concerning, man. It's very concerning. I need. To, I obviously expect LeBron to be better in the playoffs, but I just want to see that because he's just looked. There's just been something off. In an interview, he said there's something off court. So I don't know what's that about. He didn't really go into any details. So I don't know if like it's maybe someone in uh, the Lakers on the Lakers team. Maybe someone in their family died. Maybe it's some can. Maybe it's some drama going in in the locker room. I really have no clue what's going on. But whatever that is, and if it's affecting them this much where they literally just can't shoot at all, it's concerning because while Anthony Davis has been pretty inconsistent, I need to see him step up too. I don't know what he's been doing in some of these games where he's scoring like eight points. He's way better than that. Everybody knows it. It's Anthony Davis. So I'm a little bit concerned as they go into the playoffs because this team has always been a team that relied so much on their inside presence. And even though I think that'll work, because, I mean, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. They have Dwight Howard off the bench, who's been super good for them this entire year. They have uh, Deion Waiters, who's been pretty solid for them. But it is definitely a concern with their shooting, especially when they're facing a hungry team who's hot like the Blazers. Again, don't think the Blazers will beat them. But they'll give them some trouble, especially when Damian Lillard is 
doing what he's doing right now. And they do have, uh, I think, one of the better interior defenses in the bubble, even though their defense is kind of everywhere else. It's kind of terrible. Yusuf Nurkic is a very good defender. Uh, he's not necessarily like a very good shot blocker, but he's good at throwing off people's shots, and he's a good paint protector. So they could definitely give him some problems with Melo playing so good. They they still have that size that can match the Lakers' size, where they run the two big lineup of Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic that can match the uh, JaVale McGee and AD or AD and Dwight Howard lineup. So I'm interested to see what goes on because that's what I expect the series to be. I basically think that's guaranteed now with how the momentum of the the Blazers right now. But yeah, I am slightly worried about the Lakers. It's not I'm not very worried, but there's definitely some things as as a Lakers fan, if I was a Lakers fan, I'd be concerned about. But they still have two of the top 7 players in the world. They've arguably the best player in the league even though he's not my best player. So, you shouldn't be extremely worried but you're gonna need guys like Danny Green to step up if he does what he does last year and if Kyle Kuzma comes back down to the Kyle Kuzma we saw all year where he's shooting like 30% from three and if Dion Waiters starts taking bad shots it's gonna be a big concern and it's gonna be a big issue for them going into playoffs so they gotta get that figured out but I would still not be very worried and they're still a good team obviously they're the best team in the West, record-wise at least, even though they're definitely not my best team in the West, that is the LA Clippers, and they're also a team who just, also like the Lakers, their record doesn't look very good, the Lakers are 3-4, and four. Uh, Clippers are 3-3, three and three. but again, not concerned at all about the Clippers, they got Kawhi Leonard, and I'm, I've been a huge Kawhi Leonard believer for a while, but he's really shown me a lot of I wouldn't say a lot, but he's shown me a good amount of improvement this year, especially with his playmaking. His playmaking has been very impressive, the step he's taken as a playmaker. Scoring, I think, honestly, because his defense is what he came into the league as, as this great defender, and he's obviously still a great defender. He's still one of the best defenders in the league. His offense kind of goes under the radar, to be totally honest. He's one of the best scorers in the league, and even though I think everybody recognizes that, I don't think he gets enough praise for that, how deadly he is. His mid-range scoring, he's elite at attacking the basket. He's a very good three-point shooter. He's very good at getting to the free-throw line, and he is a very good free-throw shooter. His passing has improved. He's a good rebounder. So I believe in Kawhi. Paul George has looked healthy, and for the most part, he's looked pretty good. So I like what I've seen from Paul George, and that's going to be huge for them as they go into the playoffs because Paul George needs to step up, needs to be that second guy. Uh, I think Montrezl Harrell should be back soon. I'll be interested to see how he's playing. Uh, he's definitely going to need to step up for them as Avika Zubak is a decent center, but he doesn't play that many minutes. But I just like this Clippers team a ton. I love their depth. I like guys like Jermichael Green for them off the bench. So this Clippers team, even though they haven't looked great, they lost to the Nets, was, which was a bit concerning, especially because it, it didn't look like that was a game where they weren't like trying. It looked like they were trying, but the Nets also couldn't miss that game. They were shooting like 75% in the first quarter, and it wasn't even them necessarily playing bad defense. They were just hitting their shots. So I'm not very worried. I 
am so excited. I just want that Lakers-Clippers to happen so bad. Like, obviously, it'd be exciting if there was an upset, but this is what we've been waiting for all year. We're so close to the playoffs. Each team either has one or two games left. By the time the next episode rolls around, uh, we'll know the seeding and stuff, so I'll do my, like, final uh, playoff predictions. So that's super exciting, but... I'm not worried about either of these L.A. teams, even though they each do have their individual things that if you want to overreact a little bit, you can be concerned about. And the Nuggets, Nuggets have looked very good. Michael Porter Jr. has been amazing. Love what I've seen from Michael Jr. I'm I'm so confident in Michael Porter Jr. Like, my confidence in Michael Porter Jr. is through the roof. I think he'll be an all-star sooner rather than later totally. To be totally honest, we kind of always thought that Jamal Murray was going to be that second all-star for them, if anybody. But honestly, I would not be surprised if Michael Porter Jr. is scoring more than 20 points a game next season. I just love what I've seen from him. He's such a good three-point shooter. His mid-range scoring is elite. He has that big 6'10 frame that allows him to do so much. His ball handling could definitely improve, but for his size, it's decent. And his off-ball ability is really good. He's really good at moving around screens, getting open for three. He's a really good cutter. And again, with that size, it makes him it makes it easy for him to finish around the basket. So I like what I've seen from Michael Porter Jr. a ton. He's improved on defense, too. So I'm super confident in Michael Porter Jr. I really believe in him going into next season to be in, in all-star contention, to be totally honest. I... I'm so confident in Michael Porter Jr. I think he's so good already. And with this extra opportunity, I think he's just really proving it. And with guys like uh, Paul Millsap maybe leaving them in free agency, I definitely think he'll be getting that opportunity. I think Mike Malone has his trust in him now, now that he's seen him improve as a defender. And obviously, he's been so amazing on offense. So I really like this Nuggets team going into the playoffs. Nikola Jokic has looked like himself, and Nikola Jokic is great. Jamal Murray's back, and he's looked pretty good in the games he's played. They still got uh, Gary Harris and Will Barton coming back. That'll be big for them. And I just like this team's uh, versatility and this team's depth. And it really shows without two starters, them still being able to compete with some of the best teams of the league. And with them not playing their starters at all in the fourth quarter, they were competing with the Lakers starters. So... Really impressed by this Nuggets team. I think they get slept on a lot because people don't see that star power. And that is a bit of an issue, but I think people kind of blow that out of proportion. And last last year, I think that should have silenced a lot of those criticisms. While I don't expect them to necessarily like really compete, they're definitely a team that will give the Clippers a run for their money. And they're not going to be some pushover team at all. They're too good to be a pushover team. They have way too much talent, way too much depth. So I think they are a pretty underrated team, to be totally honest, because kind of everybody is just like, oh, they'll be a, a second-round exit, basically guaranteed. They're they're kind of overrated. They're, they don't have that closer, even though Nikola Jokic has been one of the best clutch players in the league. Jamal Murray has that ability. And now that they have Michael Porter Jr. with the confidence that he has right now, I believe in this Nuggets team a ton. I think they're going to do great in the playoffs and they're going to give they're going to give the Clippers a run for their money in the second round and they're going to I definitely think if especially if they're playing the Jazz, again, not a believer in the Jazz. I think they'll beat the Jazz pretty easily. So, 
uh, I believe in the Nuggets team. They got uh, a ton of youth, a ton of depth, and just a ton of talent. And they're in one of just the best positions in the league. Their GM and stuff has just done such a good job where they've made smart picks like Bol Bol, who where he was wasn't a risk at all. In the second round, that's not a risk, and it, he has such high upside. With Michael Porter Jr. at 14th, such high upside, and they were already good, so they didn't need him to be good immediately. He could afford to sit out the entire year. So they're in such a unique situation where they're a team that can compete now, but they're still a team that can grow and become better. They can become a lot better. If Michael Porter Jr. is really like the 25-point-per-game scorer that we've seen in the bubble, they can become so much better. If Jamal Murray even takes the next step, even if he's only averaging like 20 points per game, if they have three 20-point scorers, which I believe they can, and they still have depth, they still have guys like Will Barton, who's very good, who's elite off the bench. They still have uh, guys like Torrey Craig, who's a great defender. If they keep guys like Jeremy Grant, who I really like and is a very good player, who's shoot, who shot like 40% from three and is super athletic. I just like this Nuggets team a ton. They're kind of in a similar position to the Celtics where a lot of uh, they can definitely make some noise and they could surprise some people. And they're really good right now, but they still have room to grow. The Celtics have their guys, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who can grow. They have a lot of guys off the bench like Robert Williams, Grant Williams, uh, Romeo Lankford, who are young and can grow. They're in very similar positions. And I think that's just such a great position to be in as a team where you're still good now, but you have so much to look forward to. You have so much flexibility going into the future. And even though it's a tough position to be in, because they're going to have to make some tough decisions on what they're going to do with guys like Gary Harris, who's been struggling the past couple of years. They don't have to make that decision now because they have so much depth. So I really like the position the Nuggets are in. They got a ton to look forward to. Michael Porter Jr. is amazing. And, yeah, they've been playing really well in the bubble. I expect them that to continue in the playoffs. Uh, the Rockets have looked very, very good. They've been solid. They've been what I expected. Uh, the small ball is working pretty well. James Harden has looked great. Russell Westbrook has looked pretty solid. Robert Covington has been a beast on defense, playing his heart out. It's so impressive to see those guys try and guard centers and do a pretty good job of it, so... Like what I've seen from the Rockets, they can definitely give the Lakers some problem and some problems in a second round matchup if they make it there because they will most likely, well, not most likely because the Jazz are only half game back. They may have to face an OKC team who is an extreme, will be an extremely tough playoff team. So I'm interested to see what that matchup will be like, especially because OKC, they, they're another team who kind of reminds me of the Celtics where they have like four top guys who are very good. And then their depth is a little bit concerning. But I love what I've seen from Darius Baisley. He's looked really good in the bubble. He's shown a lot of confidence. I like just Darius Baisley as a player anyway. But he's starting to show that potential. His uh, shot has been looking better. He's been hitting it pretty consistently. He's stepped up when uh, they were resting guys like Shea, like Danilo Gallinari. So I like this team a lot. They can make a lot of noise. And a series with them versus the Rockets, all those storylines 
with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, both being traded from the Thunder, CP3 being traded from the Rockets, having this bounce-back season, that would just be so exciting, man. It would be such a great series. So I really want that to happen because the Rockets have looked good. James Harden has been what I expect him to be. He's been that elite score, and then the small ball is working, and then the Thunder, they just have so many different things they can do. Danilo Gallinari is so good. Been an underrated player for a while now. Shea, very good. Had a great second year. Chris Paul has been one of the best closers in the league. Has been so great in the clutch. So, I really, I need that series to happen. I don't want to see Jazz versus Rockets again. Because I think the Jazz would get torn apart in that series. Because the small ball goes against everything they do. With Rudy Gobert being their rim protector. And being arguably their best player where he's such a good rim protector but his biggest issue is perimeter and that's all the rockets do so i don't want to see that series again but man would a rockets versus thunder series be incredible just all the drama all the storylines all the excitement that would be such an exciting series so i really want to see that happen both teams have been playing pretty well especially considering the thunder have been kind of resting their guys letting Letting them get a break as they go into the playoffs. I do want to see them uh, go full throttle, though, and secure that fifth seed because they can still fall to the sixth seed. They can fall to that Jazz team who, again, like I said last year, I meant last podcast, I'm just, I just don't know what to think about this Jazz team, especially without Bogdanovich. I mean, like, uh, Mike Conley has been playing all right. He's been playing pretty decent. Donovan Mitchell has been playing pretty well, even though he's been kind of inefficient. I need to see I need to see that become better. But he uh, closed out and played very well in that Nuggets game where Michael Porter Jr. was playing super well and Nikola Jokic was playing super well. So I was impressed with that. But this Jazz team hasn't taken that next step yet. I think Rudy Gobert would get tore apart, especially if they're playing the Rockets. Man, the Rockets. He would be eliminated from the series. Like, I don't think he could do anything. And when I was talking about the evolution of the center position and the versatility thing, I think he's one of the guys that could easily lose his value very quickly. So when the Jazz can make that decision to either give him a contract extension or wait till next year to uh, test his value as a free agent, I'll be fascinated to see what goes on there because – his value can range so much depending on what a team thinks. A team like the Rockets wouldn't, wouldn't even throw him a contract, even if they had the money. Obviously, they're not going to have the money, but they would not throw him anything. But I wonder if the Jazz, because he's been a staple for them and because they've been a solid team for year, for a couple of years now, I, I'll be super interested to see what happens. But they've gone 2-6 and six in the bubble so far. They just haven't looked great. They need Bogdanovich, and they don't have him. He's injured for the rest of the season. So I don't believe in this Jazz team going into the playoffs. And to be totally honest, if I was any team above them, that's the team I want to play. If I'm the Thunder, I want to play them. If I'm the Rockets, I want to play them. If I'm the Nuggets, I want to play them. If I'm the Clippers, I want to play them. It's just going to be, in my opinion, at least an easy matchup for whoever's below them. Uh, Moving on to the Mavericks. Luka, Ben absolutely incredible man 
Luka against the Bucks. What a game from Luka Doncic, man. Put up a 36 point, 19 rebound, uh, 19 assist, 13 rebound, triple double. Was absolutely incredible that game. Closed it out, which has been one of their biggest issues the entire year. And man, I'm so impressed with what I've seen from Luka. They lost a super tough game to the Trailblazers, but Damian Lillard did put up 61, and they were doing all they could. They just simply couldn't stop them. There was a very iffy foul call called on Trey Burke that cost them the game as Dorian Finney-Smith hit a three, but before that, the play was called off. So it, even though they lost, that's definitely not a bad loss, especially with the momentum that the Trailblazers had and and how good they've been playing, you really can't hang your hat, I uh, hang your head down on that. Especially with the way Porzingis has been playing, the duo of Luca and Porzingis has been stepping up huge. They really need to be in that top three to five uh, duo conversation. They have been fantastic. We're really seeing that New York Porzingis where he's just dominating, and I think Porzingis has shown a ton of improvement he's just a lot more comfortable now coming off that huge acl tear which is such a tough injury to come back from especially a guy his size so i love what i've seen from porzingis he's attacking the basket he's shooting threes his uh like fadeaway jumper has been very good his defense continues to be great so love what i've seen from porzingis love what i've seen from luca tim hardaway jr has been pretty solid and I just need to see uh, teams, other players continue to play good. I need to see players like Dorian Finney-Smith, players like Maxi Kleber, just hit their open threes and play solid enough defense. But I like this Mavs team. They can give some problems because, man, if Luka and Porzingis are playing the way that they are right now, no one wants to face them. No one wants to face them. Even though I think the Clippers would beat them kind of handedly, it's still a series you don't want to have because they're just, man, they're so good. So I love that duo of Luka and Porzingis. It'll be super interested to see what they do because they have a lot of flexibility. They're going to have a ton of cap in the 2021 20, uh, offseason, which could be the greatest offseason of all time as there's so many big free agents who are up. So love what I've seen from Luka and Porzingis. That came against... The Bucks man was incredible. I was just watching that in my little hotel room going crazy because Luka is my favorite player. I love watching Luka play. It was such a blast watching him. He was throwing some of the most incredible passes I've ever seen him doing. He was getting so creative finishing around the basket. He did that like uh, Rondo play where he fakes that he's going to do behind the back pass, goes for the layup. He was he hit like a nasty step back in mid-range over... Uh, Wesley Matthews, where he just cooked them up. He threw that in-between-the-legs pass to Maxi Kleber, and he got the and-one dunk. It was just incredible. And then uh, last game, they were really just struggling on defense because that boy, they, that boy Damian Lillard, man, has Damian Lillard been incredible or has Damian Lillard been incredible in, these, in this bubble, man? Let me just look at the stats real quick because – Damian Lillard averaging 37 points per game in the bubble, shooting almost 50% from the field, 
uh, 41% from three and almost 90% from the line. So he's averaging 37 on almost 50, 40, 90. Damian Lillard, man, has been absolutely incredible for the Blazers. Carrying them, they are now the eighth seed. This race for the eighth is always something that, in the grand scheme of things, for the most part, really doesn't matter that much. But it's just always so exciting. You got the Grizzlies, who've been really struggling without their best player, Jaron Jackson Jr. And they were given a tough schedule anyway, so now that they don't have Jaron Jackson Jr., it's been extremely tough. And the Blazers have stepped up huge. They've got some wins over some good teams. They obviously beat the Mavericks with, damn, man, 61 back-to-back games with over 50. I think he's the... It was he was the only the second player in NBA history to have three sixty point games in a season, with the other being Wilt Chamberlain. So man, shout out Damian Lillard. He's been such a beast. He's stepped up huge, carrying this team to be where they are right now, being uh, in the position to be the A seed. So I love the the fight I've seen from them. Gary Trent Jr. has obviously been great for them. CJ's been very good for them. Melo. So many people were wrong about Melo, including myself, to be totally honest. Melo has been great for them. Uh, Zach Collins had a pretty good game for them last uh, last game. And I like what I've seen from Yusuf Nurkic. So, super impressed with the Trail Blazers. They've got some very tough wins over some great teams. So, shout out to the Blazers. Played great. And they'll definitely be uh, the hardest matchup that you can be as an ace seed for the Lakers. Because they're... Let's be honest, they're not the normal A seed. They're a lot better than the normal A seed, especially now that they're healthy and with Damian Lillard having the confidence he does right now. Obviously, those uh, two free throws missed against the Clippers where that whole beef with Paul George happened and uh, Patrick Beverly, that was that was a wild beef. But even though that was a, t- a very tough loss for them and it's something that you would never expect because Damian Lillard's always been like an 88% shooter. So that was a tough loss for them. But I think that really lit a fire under Damian Lillard where he is mad and he is coming for everybody's throats right now. So shout out to Damian Lillard. Been incredible. His three-point shooting ability is ridiculous. Even though like everybody acknowledges that he's such a good three-point shooter, honestly, I don't think people acknowledge it to the point that they should he's one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time his ability to shoot almost 40 percent from three on like 10 attempts is something that only him and Steph Curry can do because even though Clay in my opinion is the second best shooter ever he's never going to get that many threes up and just his ability to shoot off the dribble attack the basket get to the line Damian Lillard man is absolutely incredible but and now they're the ace seed. They're over the Grizzlies, who have really just struggled. John Morant has still been good. He's been himself. But just the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr. is so huge for them. They're starting Anthony Tolliver right now. And Anthony Tolliver is terrible. They just really don't have that veteran leadership with them trading guys like Drake Crowder at the trade deadline. So even though... I don't expect them to make the playoffs anymore. They may not even make the play-in. Regardless, this was an incredibly successful season uh, for the Grizzlies. Even though a Grizzly fan may be bummed out that they're not making the playoffs, you guys should still be super happy. You got so much to look forward to in the future with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. That duo is incredible. They're both so good. Even though 
Uh, Dylan Brooks has looked pretty bad in the bubble. He's been taking a lot of bad shots. He needs he needs to figure out his shot selection because that's been an issue f- for a bit now, and it's really stood out in the bubble with him having to have more of a load. But even Grayson Allen has looked good in the bubble. I just love this uh, Grizzlies team, especially going into the future. So even though it's tough that you were put in a rough position with having a tough schedule and then the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, you should still be incredibly happy. This was still a super successful season for you. No one expected you to even be there. So be happy. Be appreciative. And yeah, shout out to the Grizzlies. A great season for them, no matter what happens in this last game. It'll be super interesting to see what happens in this last game because there's actually a three-way tie for the ninth seed right now. Well, not technically because they, the, they have the lead over them because they beat them in the season series. But as far as the record, they're all tied, and the Suns have been on fire, 7-0. and Mikhail Bridges playing amazing defense. Cameron Payne looking like an NBA player, shooting threes like crazy. Uh, Javon Carter has been amazing on defense and has stepped up on offense. Devin Booker been incredible. DeAndre Ayton been pretty solid. Dario Sarch has been really good. And they just have this like swagger and confidence to them they're just playing such exciting basketball and it's so much fun to watch man because they're just all rallying around each other i think monty williams is a great coach and he coaches the way i'd coach too where he's just letting the players who are hot play he's and he's just letting his players play he's putting confidence in them and they're just really rallying around this whole going undefeated thing and if they win and the Grizzlies lose, they will be the ninth seed and have the play-in, which is just so exciting. I'm so happy for Suns fans because they've had to go through a lot with all the struggles, but they really look like they've figured it out, and they have a lot to look forward to, especially next year. I don't think they'll win the play-in even if they get in because the ninth seed has to get two wins while the eighth seed only has to get one, and the Trailblazers have been really good. But this has been such an exciting story. Suns have been super impressive. Shout out to the Suns, man. I love watching them so much in the bubble. They've been so much fun to watch. Uh, now moving on to the 11th seed. We got the Spurs. The Spurs have been very impressive to me. Uh, Rudy Gay has been incredible off the bench for them. And Greg Popovich, man. I kind of counted him out a little bit because coaching just seemed a little bit out of date. But... Without LaMarcus Aldridge, he's been switching things up, running zones, running the super small ball with, like, DeMar DeRozan at the four, giving guys like Lonnie Walker a chance. Keldon Johnson has looked great for them. So I love what I've seen from the Spurs. I wouldn't even mind, like, even though I've said before that I don't want to see the Spurs because we've seen them so many times, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing this version of the Spurs because I didn't expect this version of the Spurs. And they've been, honestly, really exciting. I love Lonnie Walker. I like Keldon Johnson a lot. And I just like their young guys a ton. And they've looked super good in the bubble. They've been really impressive. And it's going to be super interesting to see what they do moving on because they've looked better without LaMarcus Aldridge with that more spacing. So I'll be interested to see if they try and move him, uh, what happens with DeMar DeRozan as he can decline his player option. But I don't expect him to because I don't think he's going to get money anywhere else like that, especially with the uncertainty of what the cap's going to be this year. I think he'll take that player option. So they got 
some interesting decisions to make because they definitely have young talent. Uh, Derek White, forgot to talk about him. He's looked very good in the bubble. He's been super impressive. So shout out to the Spurs. They've looked great, and they've definitely outperformed my expectations. Uh, now moving on to the two teams that are officially out, the Kings and the Pelicans, man. What a disappointment. The Kings, their organization is just a mess, man. With all that's going on with Buddy Heald, with all that's going on with the coach, Luke Walton, they never should have fired Dave Yeager. I know he had some conflicts with uh, them, but Dave Yeager is a really good coach. I I really want to see uh, Dave Yeager get another chance. I think he should next year be the Nets coach. That's my opinion. I think Dave Yeager is a great coach. And they let him go. They let him go after having such a good season. And then Luke Wallen changed their whole philosophy of running and doing all this stuff. So it's been super disappointing. Uh, I love what I see from Darren Fox. Darren Fox is great. But other than that, they have looked. They just haven't looked good. They don't even look like they want to play. They look so unmotivated. They look so sluggish. Uh, Harrison Barnes way overpaid. Harrison Barnes is a good player, but it's, it's Harrison Barnes. You shouldn't be giving Harrison Barnes that much money. So, man, I hate what I've seen from the Kings. They've been super disappointing. Moving on, the Pelicans. Pelicans. Uh, let me let me take a break for a second. Oh, sorry, guys. Had to take a little break. I was getting a little bit congested. But uh, back to the Pelicans. Pelicans been so disappointing. They've been babying Zion. Uh, Alvin Gentry, I would not be surprised at all. I think it's almost a guarantee that he's going to get fired. Their rotations on defense have been terrible. They've looked so unmotivated. They don't even look like they want to win. And it's so sad because the NBA gave them such a layup to make the playoffs. They gave them the easiest schedule. And they're going to go either 3-5 uh, and five or 2-6. and six. Come on now. Lonzo Ball. I'm a huge believer in Lonzo Ball. I like Lonzo Ball a lot. He's been terrible. Flat out terrible. Can't shoot. Can't do anything right in this. He's shooting like 26% from the field, 19% from three, and 44% from the line. That is terrible. Come on. He's got to be better than that. That is embarrassing. Uh, Zion looks fat, looks out of shape. He's been he's been good, but he does not look like Zion. Uh, Brandon Ingram has been good. Uh, J.J. Redick was playing his heart out to try and keep that playoff streak alive, but no one else wanted to play. They've been lazy on defense. They just don't look like they want to be there. They don't have any fight, and it's it's been embarrassing to see how much the NBA tried to make this team a playoff team, and they fell flat on their face. They've played flat-out terrible, and they need to do something else. They need to play better next year. Because, man, I was so disappointed by this Pelicans team. They were probably the biggest disappointment. Like, it's between them and the Kings. The Kings have been flat-out terrible. They've been a huge disappointment, too. Both of these teams are embarrassing and have been terrible. Both teams have shown no heart, no willingness, no willingness to win. It's It's been embarrassing. It's just been simply embarrassing, especially on the Pelican side. You guys have so much talent. You guys were given an easy schedule, and you still have gone 2-5. and five. Come on. Embarrassing. So, I'm, I need to see the Pelicans play better next year. I need to see Zion. You need to lose weight. 
You are out of shape for an NBA player. You cannot come here being 285 pounds and only be able to play five minutes straight without looking like you just ran four miles. Like, you need to get that figured out because you cannot be 285 pounds playing basketball. You are six foot six, 285 pounds. That is, that is a mess. Lonzo Ball, you need to, you need to step up. You need to be playing like you were last, uh, before the year ended. You need to get your confidence back up because I don't know what happened. Uh, yeah, so, so disappointed in them. It was an embarrassing way to go out, to be totally honest. But uh, moving on, now we're gonna talk about my NBA awards. So first, uh, with Starting off with my all-NBA first team at uh, the first guard position, we have Luka Doncic. Uh, this season, he averaged 29 points, 9.5 rebounds, and 9 assists on 46.2% from the field, 31% from three, 75.5% uh, from the line, with 58.4% uh, true shooting. Luka was incredible this season, one of the best players in the league. He was so good, stepped up huge, and uh, yeah, he... 100% deserves to be first team. Even though Damian Lillard can make a good case, I have Luka as my first guard and first team. And then for my second guard, James Harden. Averaged 34.4 points, 6.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists on 44% from the field, 35.1% from three, 86.4% from the line, with a 62.1% true shooting. James Harden, man, has been such a beast. And it's, it's the James Harden we've seen from the past couple of years, but it's really impressive that even with Russell Westbrook, he's been able to be so good. So shout out to James Harden. Another great season for him. Uh, the first forward, we got LeBron, averaged 25.5 points, uh, 7.9 rebounds, and 10.3 assists on 49.4% from the field, 34.8% from three, 69% uh, from the line, with a 57.7% true shooting. A great season for LeBron, a revenge season. And he's he's just been incredible this season. He's been super good, really good season for LeBron, especially at the age he is right now. So so impressive. Uh, second forward, we got Giannis. Averaged 29.8 points, 13.7 rebounds, 5.7 assists on 55.4% from the field, 30.4% from three, 62.9% from the line with 61.2% true shooting. He's been so good this season. You can make a very good argument that he's uh, MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, which has only happened a couple times in history. So, yeah, Giannis, such an easy pick for first team. He's been the best player in the league by far, in my opinion. Uh, I don't have him as my best player in the league, but at least in the regular season, which this is a regular season award, he's been the best player. Simple as that. Uh, and for center, we got Nikola Jokic, averaged 20.2 points, 9.9 rebounds, 7 assists on 52.6% from the field, 31.5% from three, 82.2% from the line, with a 60.4 true shooting. Now, he wouldn't be on my first team if Anthony Davis would be considered a center, but he's considered forward. So, I have Jokic as the first team. He started off a bit slow, but really picked it up as we went on in the season and he had another great season, definitely All-NBA uh, first team worthy. Now moving on to the second team, we got Damian Lillard, who averaged 29.8 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 8 assists on 46% from the field, 39.7% from three, and 88.8% for the line with a 62.4% true shooting. A great season for Damian Lillard, 
probably his best individual season. He's been so impressive this season. Just simply a phenomenal season for him. Almost averaging 30 points, 8 assists, almost shooting 40% from 3. If he got that field goal percentage up, he could be in... He's in the 50-40-90 area, which is so impressive with the difficulty of shots he's taking. So, shout out to Damian Lillard. A great season for him. Uh, my second guard, I got Russell Westbrook. Averaged 27.2 points, 7.9 rebounds, 7 assists on 47.2% from the field, 25.8% from three, 76.3% from the line with a 53.6% true shooting. Now, obviously... Russell Westbrook isn't like an advanced stats guy. A lot of his advanced stats may look not look good. And his three-point shot has been terrible, but he's really laid off on it, which has been impressive for me. And while he definitely started off slow, when they went small, he was going berserk. He was absolutely amazing for them. So shout-out to Russell Westbrook. Another great season for them. And as long as they're keeping the small ball, he's going to continue to be incredible because he's still so athletic. He's like 31 now. But he has not lost a step at all. He's still incredibly athletic. And when he's driving and you have all shooters around him, when you have guys like P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington in the opposite corners, you got to pick your poison. You're even either letting him get an open dunk or you're letting an open three. So this uh, small ball fits Russell Westbrook great, and he had a great season. Uh, my first forward for my All-NBA second team is Kawhi Leonard. Averaged 27.1 points, 7.1 rebounds, and 4.9 assists on 46.8% from the field, 38% from three, 88.6% from the line with a 58.8% true shooting. Another great season for Kawhi. Uh, obviously, missed a couple games. He's, I think he's always going to do the whole load, load management thing because it just make, it makes things easier on him, makes him... Uh, be more rested as we go into the playoffs, but still, great season from Kawhi. The three-point shooting, very impressive. Free-throw shooting, super impressive. The uh, passing improved a ton, so great season from Kawhi. Definitely worthy of getting this All-NBA second team. Uh, moving on to my second forward, we got Anthony Davis, who averaged 26.1 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 3.2 assists on 50.3% from the field, 33% from three, 80. 4.6% from the line with a 61% true shooting. Uh, another great season for Anthony Davis. He's been amazing on defense. Definitely uh, very arguable that he can be a defensive player of the year. Uh, it's a very tough decision between him and Giannis for me. So great season from Anthony Davis on the offensive and defensive end. So shout out Anthony Davis. Great season for him. And that duo of him and LeBron is it's so incredible that that's even possible to be on one team. Uh, moving on for my uh, center for the second team, we got Joel Embiid, who averaged 23.5 points, 11.8 rebounds, 3.1 assists on 47.8% from the field, 31% from uh, three, 33.1% uh, from three, 80.8% from the line with a 59.2% true shooting. Now, he definitely could have been first team if he played more for me. Uh, the biggest issue with him is the games played, but he's been very good in the games he has played, even though it's been a little bit of a disappointment for me personally because he, he was so good last season, and he dropped like four points, but still a great season, and if he played more games, he could easily be first team, but because he didn't play enough games, he's got to be second team for me. Uh, moving on to the third team, 
Uh, my first guard position, we got Chris Paul, who averaged 17.7 points, 5 rebounds, and 6.8 assists on 49.1% from the field, 36.9% uh, from three, 90.5% from the line with a 61.2% true shooting. A great season for Chris Paul. He's been so impressive the entire year. Been that closer for them. Uh, been such a good leader for them. Been a great example for guys like Shea Gilch Alexander. Led this team to way better than basically everybody expected. They can even be the fourth seed, but they have a pretty good uh, shot at being the fifth seed right now. So a great season from Chris Paul. Super impressive. So shout out to Chris Paul. Uh, I think he definitely outperformed everyone's expectations this year. A great season for him, and he definitely deserves a lot of recognition. Just his leadership and all that have been so impressive, and no one expected the Thunder team to be anywhere close to where they're at right now, so he definitely deserves that for me. Uh, moving on to my second guard, we got Ben Simmons, who averaged 16.4 points, 7.8 rebounds, and 8 assists on 58% from the field, and 62.1% from the line with a 60.2% true shooting. Another great season for Ben Simmons. Uh, the Statistically, he may not stand out the most with only averaging 16.4 points, but the rebounds are there, the passing is there, obviously, and then the defense is really what uh, boosts him up for me and has me have him at third team. So i got to give that third team to Ben Simmons, even though there's guys who can definitely make a great argument for that Ben Simmons defense has been so incredible where it's it's impossible for me not to have him at uh on an all NBA team with his offense still being good um for my first forward I got Jimmy Butler averaging 20.2 points 6.7 rebounds and 6.1 assists on 45.4 percent from the field 24.4 percent from three uh 83.7 percent from the line with a 58.4 percent true shooting uh, another great year for Jimmy Butler, even though statistically this may be a bit of a, I wouldn't say lackluster, but not a standout year for sure. Just the way he's been playing and the culture he's put onto that team has been super impressive for me. And the leadership and all that, the intangibles that he has is what really makes me uh, put him on the third team, even though there's guys who statistically look better than him. Uh, for a second forward, this was a super tough choice for me, and I narrowly chose Jason Tatum. He's uh, averaged 23.4 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists on 45% from the field, 40.3% from 3, 81.2% from the line with the 56.7 true shooting. Now again, this was a super tough decision for me. There's uh, Pascal Siakam and Chris Middleton were so close for me. Because Pascal Siakam and Jason Tatum have almost identical numbers. And they're both very good defenders. They're both on two of the best teams in the East. So it was a tough decision for me. This may be me being biased. But I just think Jason Tatum was that very slight bit better than them this year. Even though if uh, when this voting actually comes out, I would not be surprised at all if the, those guys made the team. And I wouldn't be mad at all if those guys made the team. Because like I said, uh, well, Chris Middleton has been so efficient. And then Pascal Siakam and Jason Tatum have had almost identical seasons. So uh, moving on to the center, last person on the All-NBA team. We got Bam Adebayo, averaged 16.1 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 5.1 assists on 55.7% from the field, 69.1% from the lo from the line with a 59.8% true shooting. A very good season for Bam. His defense has been super impressive. Rebounding, been great. 
Uh, scoring, definitely taking a step. And what really stands out for me is the playmaking. And then his versatility, his switchability on defense uh, really makes me uh, give him that edge slightly over Rudy Gobert for that third team just because I think he's had a better season all around than Rudy Gobert. But the players that are great but barely missed the cut for me are Trey Young, obviously great season, almost 30-10, and 10, but his team's terrible, defense worse in the league. So he barely missed out for me, but he definitely is deserving. Devin Booker, another great season for him. Uh, playmaking has still been great. Scoring has been very good. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Ben Donovan Mitchell, great score. Uh, we got Bradley Beal, had his best season averaging 30 points, but his team's bad, and he's not a very good defender. Playmaking isn't anything great. Kemba Walker has been uh, in and out this year. That's probably the main reason for me and he's kind of taking a seat back let Jason Tatum be the number one guy uh, Kyle Lowry another great season has to barely miss it out for me though because he, he was so good this season this is what's so tough about all NBA is there's way more than 15 great players in the league but sometimes you just gotta uh, miss out and it's tough for me not to have a Raptors player with them being so good so I wouldn't be mad if either Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam would make it uh, and yeah, Pascal, I already talked about Pascal Siakam and Chris Middleton. They've both been great. Barely missed the cut for me. Was such a tough decision between all those guys, between Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, and Chris Middleton. Was super tough decision. Another forward who was very good but missed out, Brandon Ingram. Rudy Gobert, barely behind uh, for from Bam Adebayo for me. Another tough decision, but I just like Bam's versatility more. I think he's uh, that versatility makes him more impactful. And then Carl Anthony Towns, if he played a full season, he'd be here, but he didn't. He had an incredible statistical season, but just because of that, he's going to miss out on it. Uh, now moving on to my awards, we got MVP. I have Giannis. I don't really think it's that close, to be honest, even though I think it'll be kind of close in the voting because of the whole LeBron narrative and stuff like that. But it, to me, it's Giannis. It's easy. He has had... One of the best seasons I've seen in a very long time. So, shout out to Giannis. A great season for him. Uh, uh, LeBron is my second place. He had a great season, but just barely misses out for me. And that's the people that deserve recognition, but I don't really think have that good of a case. Are I have Harden, had an, another great season. Luka, CP3, AD, and Jokic. So, yeah, that's my MVP. Uh, moving on to the Defensive Player of the Year, I also have Giannis. Giannis has just had such an incredible season, leading the Bucks to the best record in the league, having the best defense in the league, best defensive rating, and he can just do everything on defense. He can block shots, he can guard on the perimeter, he can get steals. He is literally so versatile on defense with his IQ, his effort, and then his obviously his athleticism and his length. But AD... Super close second place for me. AD has been incredible on defense, but I just think he barely misses it out for me. It it was tough to not put AD, but he's been, he's been great. So I would not be mad at all if AD wins. And then some guys that deserve recognition. I put Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, and Marcus Smart. Rudy Gobert, obviously great shot blocker. Ben Simmons can guard one through five. He's been incredible on defense. And Marcus Smart has been so good on defense. He's really just shown a, just so much heart like I love Marcus Smart so much such a good player now moving on to MIP 
This was another man. This is such a tough one. But I chose Bam out of bio. Honestly, I could see this um, being a tie, to be totally honest. It's that close. It's so close, man. But Bam out of bio averaged 8.9 points, uh, 7.3 rebounds, 2.2 assists last year. Now he's averaging 16.1 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 5.1 assists. So he's taken a huge step. It's been huge for that Heat team. And then Brandon Ingram at what's averaging uh, 18.3 points last year, uh, 5.1 rebounds and three assists. Now he's averaging 23.8 rebound, uh, 23.8 points, uh, 6.1 rebounds and 4.2 assists. His three-point shooting has gone up a ton, gone up from 33% to 39%. So it was tough for me not to put him. Honestly, I do think this could be split just because of how close it is. They've both improved so much so a very tough decision to make and a lot of other guys has improved there's guys uh second year guys luca Devonte graham sga trey have all taken huge steps even though i don't really think second year players should win it and then the boston guys jalen brown and jason tatum both have improved the ton. pascal siakam has improved a ton again so a lot of players took huge steps this year I have my MIP as Bam and BI as the basically the closest second you can be. Moving on to Rookie of the Year, I think this one is should be a blowout. Shouldn't even be close. It's John Morant. Uh, this is a regular season reward. He was leading to his team to the playoffs in the regular season, and he just had an incredible season, averaging seventeen and seven. Just a great season for him. Zion, obviously. I think is a better player than Ja, but this isn't about who's a better player. Zion only played like 19 games in the regular season, so I just simply can't give it to Zion, even if he was so incredible in the games he did play. And then a lot of other players have had great seasons, especially for rookies. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has been very good. Brandon Clark has been good. Uh, RJ Barrett, Kobe White, Eric Pascal, PJ Washington, Rui Hachimura, all these guys have been good, but... I think it's a clear-cut John Morant, even though Zion is the best rookie. Uh, moving on to sixth man of the year, I got Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder has been incredible for the Thunder. He's been a huge piece in why they've been uh, been so good. The three-guard lineup of SGA, Chris Paul, and him has been incredible. So shout-out to Dennis Schroeder. A great season for him. And he's definitely deserved sixth man of the year for me, even though I think... Uh, Lou Will and Montrez Harrell definitely gets votes. They've both been amazing off the Clippers bench, especially Montrez. He's had such a good season. And Lou Will, obviously, is Lou Will. He'll definitely get some votes just off name alone, to be totally honest. And then some guys that uh, I don't really think are candidates, but definitely deserve uh, some love are Marcus Smart, Derrick Rose, George Hill, and Dwight Howard. All been big pieces off the bench. And other than D Rose, all these guys are on good teams. But Derrick Rose, incredible season, averaging like 20 points, one of his better seasons. Uh, Dwight Howard, even though it statistically isn't great, just for me his impact off the Lakers bench has been very good. Marcus Smart, such a good player. I love Marcus Smart so much. I gave him a lot of love in this because I think I truly do think he deserves a lot of love for how good he's been this year. Uh, moving on to Coach of the Year, I got Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, man. What an incredible coach. He's been so good this year, and I think it's not even close. They lost Kawhi. They're still so good. So shout out to Nick Nurse. In my opinion, the best coach in the league. 
he's just been incredible this year. Uh, but some guys that uh, came close, Billy Donovan, what, an, what a great year for the Thunder in general. They have so many guys that deserve recognition. Uh, Dennis Schroeder for Sixth Man of the Year. I had SGA as a MIP candidate. Chris Paul as an MVP candidate, which may sound kind of crazy. But this team just overperformed their expectations so much. Billy Donovan has done a great job. He got a lot of criticism in the past few years, which I think that was warranted. But he had a bounce back year. Really good job from Billy Donovan. Coached them great. And Mike Boonhoser, Bucks have obviously been great. They're there's really no argument to make that Mike Boonehoser shouldn't be up there. And then some guys that definitely deserve a recognition and have done great jobs of orchestrating their teams are Taylor Jenkins, uh, led the Grizzlies much farther than everyone expected. Eric Spolstra always has been one of the best coaches in the league, and the, he outperformed expectations. Frank Vogel, Lakers have been amazing. Uh, Brad Stevens, Celtics have been very good. And then Mike Malone, Nuggets continue to be very consistent, very good. Uh, now moving on, I made some some of my own awards. So first, we got Role Player of the Year, and I chose that as Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's impact for the Celtics, especially at just watching from a fan perspective where I watch every single Celtics game. I try to watch as much games as I can, but you will never catch me missing a Celtics game. And the impact Marcus Smart just has as a leader the culture he brings to the team, his the defense he brings to the team, his three-point shooting has improved a lot. He's a very good playmaker. Marcus Smart is just everything and more you could want from a role player, and I think he definitely deserves uh, role player of the year. Now moving on, we got the Andrew Wiggins Award. This is an award given to a young player who showed potential but uh, kind of fell off this season and had a rough season. I'm giving this one to Lowry Markenden. He had a bit of a of a tough season this year. I think he's put in a tough position due to Jim Boylan being such a terrible coach and not really giving him the ball. But he had a rough season. He showed a ton of flashes last year that he was going to be maybe an all-star this year. He could have been an all-star contention, but he had a rough season, and it was definitely disappointing. So, yeah, Lowry Markinen gets my 2020 Andrew Wiggins Award. Moving on to the most underrated player of the year. For me... This went down to two guys. For me, it was Jaron Jackson Jr. and uh, Norman Powell. I do have Norman Powell as the winner, as he averaged maybe the most quiet 17 points ever, because no one talks about Norman Powell, but he's been really good for that Raptors team. He's been great off the bench for them, and one one month, he was averaging like 25 points per game. He's been so good for them the entire season. So yeah, shout out to Norman Powell, super underrated. Jaron Jackson Jr. was also a very underrated player for me. In my opinion, pretty easily the best player on the Grizzlies. Very good defender, elite three-point shooter, has improved his ability to score off the dribble. So, yeah, they're both super underrated to me, but in my opinion, Norman Powell is the most underrated player this year. Uh, moving on to the empty stats player of the year. This is given to a player who puts up big numbers but really doesn't have that much of an impact on the game. This very easy choice for me, easily Hassan Whiteside. Uh, he puts up great numbers, but we've seen with Yusuf Nurkic as the starter, even if Yusuf Nurkic doesn't put up as good numbers, he's way better than Hassan Whiteside, and he's way more impactful, helping the uh, Trailblazers team be a lot better. Uh, Hassan Whiteside barely even plays now that the team is healthy, so I think that shows that he's the empty stats player of the year. 
Uh, moving on to the worst free agency signing last year, we got Al Horford. I really like Al Horford, but he's struggled a lot this season. They had him trying to play power forward at first, which I think at this point in his career, at this age, uh, where the NBA is going, he's just simply not a power forward. So now that they have him till he's, I'm pretty sure he's 38, and he's going to be met, be paying paid like $25 million a year, that is a very rough signing. So, yeah, Al Horford to the 76ers is my worst signing of the year. Um, moving on, we got most surprising team of the year, and I chose that. Uh, there's plenty of teams that have surprised me for sure. The Heat have surprised me. They've been a lot better than I expected. The Thunder have been very surprising. The Grizzlies have been very surprising. So, But to me, it came down to the Thunder and Raptors for me, and I chose the thunder thunder such a good season man i've been so impressed with them uh just like i said before chris paul such a good leader steven adams a very solid center danilo gallinari great season and it just really surprised me because even with them playing with them having like good players with the lack of depth i would never have expected them to be this good but all their players have stepped up huge Chris Paul, such a good season. Shea took a huge step, was the leading scorer for this team. Dennis Schroeder was amazing off the bench. Danilo Gallinari, incredibly efficient. Steven Adams was good. Guys like Luke Wentz-Dort, an undrafted free agent, was starting for them, playing great defense. They'd have a lot of guys step up, and they had a great season. But shout-out to the Raptors, too. They impressed me and surprised me a ton with so many guys stepping up huge for them. And then the most disappointing team of the year, I got the Sacramento Kings. They looked so good last year, but the hiring of Luke Wallen was just such a mistake. They fumbled such a good opportunity, and it's always going to come back to bite them. The drafting of Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic, as Marvin Bagley, while being a very talented player, seems to not be able to stay healthy. Buddy Heald had the issues with the team, and they were just super dysfunctional this year. Very disappointing. I expected them to be a lot better. So yeah, they get my most disappointed of the year, most disappointing team of the year. Uh, we got most surprising player. That is Devonte Graham. It's not even close for me. No one expected this. Devonte Graham averaged like five points last year. Went up to eighteen points. Very good passer. And yeah, no one expected this. It's just such a great season for him with a lot more opportunity. Even though he's not very efficient from the field, as his two point shooting is. Terrible. He's a really bad finisher, but his three-point shooting, incredible. His passing is very good, and yeah, he surprised me a ton. Came out of absolutely nowhere, so yeah, shout-out to Devontae Graham. A great season for him, and a season that I definitely didn't expect at all, so he gets my most surprising player of 2020. Uh, for the most disappointing player, we got Mike Conley. I really expected Mike Conley to push this Jazz team into contention, but he wasn't even their best uh, pickup for them. He was super disappointing for them. Uh, I expected him to be like a 21-point-per-game score, get like 6 to 7 assists, but he averaged like 13. And his shot just struggled all year. His shot really never came back. And the playmaking was still decent. The defense still decent. But that shot really struggled and was super disappointing. I think everyone expected Mike Conley to be a lot better for this Jazz team. So, yeah, he is my most disappointing team uh, player of the year. And 
to show some love to the Jazz, though, we got my most underrated uh, free agency pickup. Obviously, there was a ton of movement this offseason, a ton of crazy things. We got Kawhi Leonard moving, uh, Paul George, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving. But Bojan Bogdanovich was very good for them this year, was a 20-point score, great three-point shooter, hit multiple big shots for them. And, yeah, I think it was really that second score that we all expected Mike Conley to be instead. So, yeah, shout-out to Bojan Bogdanovic. A very good season for him. Super underrated. I don't think many people talked about that free agency signing then, and they still don't talk about it now. So, yeah, that was a very underrated pickup for them. Getting a 20-point-per-game score who can shoot so well from three, who can make big shots for only, like, $20 million dollars a year especially in the current climax of where the nba is going as far as the cap is great so yeah great pickup for the jazz very underrated free agency signing shout out to bojan bogdanovich uh now moving on to the worst pick of the year in the draft we got Jarrett culver had a very disappointing year i still don't uh haven't like completely given up on him yet but his shot really just never improved. His shot was struggling the entire year, struggling as a three-point shooter. I did like what I saw from him somewhat as a defender and a playmaker. But, yeah, he needs he definitely needs to figure out what's happening with his shot, what's happening with him as a scorer. And, yeah, that's my worst pick of the year, him being picked at six and him having the production he did last uh, this year is incredibly concerning. So hopefully he can get things figured out. Uh, coming into next year but yeah he's my worst pick of the year now moving on to the last uh, custom award I made I got the best pick of the year and that goes to Brandon Clark of the Grizzlies them getting him at 23 and him being one of the best rookies Uh, great defender great finisher three-point shot is improving and I just think he's a player who will be productive to winning basketball for his entire career very smart player and he just does all the little things right. He makes very few mistakes, and that's super impressive as a rookie. He just went that low because of his age, but his production and how good he is is very good. And where they got him at pick 23, that's the best pick of the year for me. Uh, a great decision by the, by the Grizzlies, and they had a very good draft last year. Moving on, we got my bubble awards now. For So for these, I have... I'm doing the first team all the first all bubble team. We got the MVP of the bubble, defensive player of the year, most approved player, six man, coach of the year, and rookie of the year. Uh, moving on to the first team, we got Damian Lillard. Like I said, he's averaging 37 points per game. Been so incredible, leading that uh, Trailblazers team to now be in the eighth seed. For my second guard, we got Devin Booker, averaging 31 points on 49.7 percent from the field. 35% from three and 93.5% from the line. Also averaging 6.1 assists. He's just been so good for them, uh, leading them to be 7-0 and and potentially making the playoffs even though they were so far out of it. So, yeah, shout-out to Devin Booker. He's been so good. Hit that huge shot against the Clippers. He's just done everything for the, uh, for the Suns. He's been so good. Uh, moving on to the forward position, we got TJ Warren. Still averaging 31 points even after a rough game. Still averaging 57.8% from the field, 52% from three. Uh, He's just been so incredible for the Pacers so far. So, yeah, shout-out to TJ Warren. Definitely deserves to be on the first team. Uh, Moving on to the other forward position, we got got Kawhi Leonard. 
Uh, he's averaging 29.4 points, 46% from the field, 51.7% from three, and 86.4% from the line. Still averaging 4.8 rebounds and 4.6 uh, assists. Averaging 1.8 steals, playing great defense. Kawhi Leonard, we all know him. He's been very good in the bubble. Uh, moving on to the center, we got Chris Stapsworzingis. Chris Stapsworzingis has been so good. Averaging 30.5 points on 47.6% for the field, 38% from three. Averaging 9.5 rebounds, uh, getting 1.5 blocks. He's been so good for the Mavs. He's stepped up huge. And definitely deserves to be the first team for the center position. The only person who's even close to him is Nikola Jokic. And honestly, I don't even think that's clo- That's that close. He's been so good for them. Shout out to Chris Hapsterzangis. Great in the bubble so far. Uh, moving on to the MVP. We got Devin Booker. Man, again, like I was talking about, he's just been so good. He's stepped up huge for them. He's really shown me a ton of maturity just as a playmaker, as a player. He's put a lot more trust into his teammates. In one game, he didn't even score for like 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, but he's still the best player on the floor because he was, uh, his gravity was so big. They had to still stay focused to him even when he was struggling with his shot. He was making great passes he's been making passes that i only see elite playmakers make so yeah shout out to devin booker he's been so incredible in the bubble for two we got damian lillard 61 point performance against the uh, mavs 50 points the last game was huge against the celtics just in general damian lillard has been absolutely incredible has been so good and yeah definitely deserves to be up there very close to Devin Booker, but I had to pick Devin Booker because the Suns are 7-0, and Devin Booker is still putting up great stats. So, yeah, it had to be Devin Booker for me, but Damian Lillard, definitely not too far off, and he's been elite in the bubble. Uh, three, we got TJ Warren. The paces have been pretty good, and obviously he's been great, averaging 31 points. So, yeah, TJ Warren has definitely slowed down a little bit, and hopefully that uh, heat game is not a sign of things to come. But, yeah, great, great job from him in the bubble. Moving on to Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, this one is kind of tough because it's such a small sample size. But first, I chose uh, Mikhail Bridges. He's been great for them on defense. His He's just such a good defender. His wingspan is incredibly long. He's incredibly smart on defense. He knows all the right principles. He made TJ Warren struggle a lot, which, again, he was one of the only people to do that. So, yeah, shout-out to Mikhail Bridges. The Suns have been, I think, the second-best defense as far as defensive rating in the in the bubble so far. So, yeah, D, uh, Mikhail Bridges has been great on defense, stepped up huge, and has been a huge piece for the Suns team. I, I just want to show the Suns team a ton of love because they've been so impressive, shocked everybody. So, yeah, shout-out to Mikhail Bridges, my defensive player of the year so far in the bubble. Uh, moving on to my second place, we got Robert Covington. Has been super good for this uh, Rockets team. Averaging three steals and one and a half blocks. Has been being forced to guard big men. And is doing his best job as he can. So yeah, shout out to Robert Covington. He's been super impressive on the defensive end all year. But especially in the bubble and to end the year. So even with his shot struggling, he's still been a huge piece for why the Rockets have been good.
But yeah, shout out to Robert Covington. Great, great job from him. Moving on to my third place, uh, I got Brooke Lopez. He's averaging two, 2.2 blocks. The Bucks are still a great defensive team. Again, this is a really hard award to pick just because of how small the sample size is. But I just chose him because he's been blocking shots well, and they've been great. So, Well, not great, but their defense has been very good still. So, yeah, Brooke Lopez, my third place for defensive player of the year. Uh, moving on to most improved player, I got Derek White. He's gone up to averaging like 18 points per game. He's been incredibly impressive, and he's looked like he's taken a huge step yeah, it's averaging 18.9 points when he's only averaging like 10 during the season. He's shooting 39% from three. Uh, and, yeah, Derek White is definitely taking a huge step. Been super impressive. So, shout out to Derek White. Been huge. Uh, been a huge reason why the Spurs are still in contention and are close to being a playoff team. Uh, moving on to second place, I got uh, TJ Warren. Obviously, went up 11 points. Been Way better than we've seen him before. TJ Warren has always been a good player, but has been way better than before. But yeah, shout out TJ Warren. Improved a ton. Uh, and my third is Gary Trent Jr. It basically came out of nowhere, averaging uh, 17 points on 52% from three on eight attempts a game, which is so incredible. I don't expect this to keep up to this point, but the confidence I've seen from him has impressed me a ton. And he seems to be a completely different player from where he was before the bubble. Uh, moving on to sixth man of the year, we got I got Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay has been really good for the Spurs. Been a huge reason why they've been so good. Averaging 17.9 points, 46.8% uh, from the field, 45.7% from three. And, yeah, I've been super impressed with what he's been doing off the bench. He's been showing some, like, signs of old Rudy Gay where he's been dunking on people he's been hitting his mid-range shots he's been hitting his threes and he's really just taking advantage of all the minutes he's gotten he's taking advantage of them having that hole at the big man position without Lamar Aldridge being there so yeah shout out to Rudy Gay been huge off the bench for the uh, for the Spurs and has been another huge reason along with Derek White why they've been so good so far and then second we got Gary Trent Jr. like I said average 17 points and he's been just so huge for the Blazers off the bench. He's been an integral part for why they've been uh, been so good and been uh, creeping up on that A seed and now have secured that A seed. So, yeah, Gary Trent has been key for them off the bench. He's been elite for them. So, yeah, Gary Trent definitely deserves recognition for six man of the year in the bubble. And then uh, for the last one, we got Goran Dragic. He's been very good, even though he missed uh, a little bit of time. He's still been playing very well in the time he's actually played, and he's been huge for them off the bench. He's always been a very good player off the bench, especially this year. He's been super good for them, and he's just continued that. He's been a great spark plug. He missed either one or two games due to an ankle sprain he sustained during uh, the Celtics game. But yeah, he's averaging 17.3 points, 45% from the field, only 23 points. 0.8% from three, but he's getting to the line well, getting to the line almost six times a game and shooting 87%, uh, passing the ball well, getting five and a half assists, getting 1.8 steals, so yeah, Goran Dradic has been huge for the Heat off the bench, and he's going to have to step up as a starter right now with Kendrick Nunn being out of the bubble, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays there, but he's been great for them off the bench, 
Moving on to Coach of the Year. Had to give it to Monty Williams. Not really close for me. Obviously, the Suns 7-0. and And his coaching all year has been impressive, but especially with me paying attention to the Suns more and them having more of a spotlight, it's been incredibly impressive how he's been coaching. He's really just given guys opportunity, given guys like Cameron Payne, who's out of the league, who's in the G League opportunity. And he's looked like an NBA player. He's uh, putting his trust in Devin Booker. He's putting trust in basically everybody, and everybody has stepped up and been playing well. They all just seem to be rallying around him. And, yeah, I've been super impressed with his leadership and how he's been coaching. Uh, second, I got Nick Nurse. They're Other than the Celtics game, they're undefeated, and their defense has been incredible. Their defense really made the Lakers struggle. So, yeah, Nick Nurse definitely deserves recognition. One of the, Such a good coach. Defense is ridiculous. He, their defense is so hard to score on. And uh, third, I got Greg Popovich. He's been experimenting a lot with running the zones, running the small ball. So I like what I've seen from Greg Popovich. He's been coaching the Spurs very well. And, yeah, I had to show teams like the Suns, like the Spurs, a ton of love because they've been outperforming my expectations a lot. And when I was talking about, like, my predictions, I really didn't give them much credit at all. So I definitely got to show them love when they were proving me wrong and outperforming everybody's expectations, basically. Uh, moving on to Rookie of the Year. This one is such an easy one for me. It's got to be Michael Porter Jr. Averaging 23.8 points, 56.8% from the field, 46% from three. Averaging, He's a great rebounder, averaging 9.2 rebounds. He's been better on defense. He's just been so amazing for them. I love what I've seen from him. His defense... Again, improved. And then that offense, man, he's such a good shooter from all around the court. He's so good at moving off the ball. His rebounding is really impressive, a lot better than I expected it to be. So, yeah, shout-out to Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. has been great and is my rookie of the year. Uh, moving on to the second place for the rookie of the year, I got John Moran. He's averaging 17.1 points, shooting a bit rough from the field, only at uh, averaging 40.8% from the field and 25% from three, but he's still averaging 9.9 uh, assists. That's been very impressive. His scoring has been decent, and he's been playing better as of lately. So, yeah, John Morant definitely deserves recognition and is my second place for Rookie of the Year. Moving on to my third uh, place for Rookie of the Year, I got Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero has been really impressing me, uh, averaging 15.3 points on 52.2% from the field. 35% from three. His playmaking has been better. Him averaging uh, 4.2 assists, averaging five rebounds. And, yeah, he's been huge. He's been a huge spark plug for the Heat off the bench. He's been really good. So, shout out to uh, Tyler Hero. He's been really impressive. And, yeah, that is the episode. Those are all my awards. Talked about the teams a little bit. Next episode, I'll be bringing you guys my in-depth breakdown, my full playoff predictions, and sooner rather than later, the playoffs will be officially starting, which is super exciting. I'm incredibly excited about that. I'm through the moon about that. It's going to be so much fun. The bubble games have already been super fun. Shout out to the NBA. They've done a great job. And I'm so happy to be an NBA fan. Adam Silver is the best commissioner in sports, in my opinion. And he's stepped up huge. The bubble idea was great. And it's just been so entertaining, especially not having... Uh, bad teams and basically every game except for some very specific games being must watch tv has been so much fun so shout out to the nba 
what a fun time in the bubble. The bubble uh, seeding games are almost over, but we still got months ahead of us with playoffs. And I'll bring you guys plenty of playoff content. The NFL is starting in less than a month. I'm still a little bit worried about that. But once that happens, I'll be bringing you guys NFL content, talking about that. So we got a ton of content to look forward to. NBA playoffs are almost here. The race to the eighth seed has been so exciting. And yeah, that is the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please make sure to download. Leave five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a like if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure to share it with your friends. Uh, hope you enjoyed. It is Michael. Peace out.